Hello and welcome to the Music Works podcast. I'm Katie Manassa, Director and Founder of Polyphony Arts. Some of you may recall episode number eight in our third series when I spoke to tenor Patricia Yates on the subject of normalising trans voices in opera. Today I'm delighted to welcome Anil Sebastian, co-founder and director of both London Contemporary Voices and Trans Voices, the UK's first professional trans plus choir which is breaking boundaries within the music industry. We're also joined by soprano Ella Taylor, who is also a founder member of the choir. We'll be discussing how Anil came to feel that there was no real space where trans singers could perform together in solidarity and made the decision to create one themselves. The declared mission of the choir is to explore and widen the possibilities and routes for vocalists outside of the gender binary and to reclaim the spaces transgender voices are seldom heard in and explore our voices within them in new ways. We'll hear how the experience of being trans is a journey that has to be negotiated both personally and professionally and how difficult that tension between the two can be. Stay tuned to hear Anil and Ella share their thinking on how issues surrounding race, gender and disability within classical music often chime with their experiences as trans musicians. But first, here's a message from our sponsor. Music Works is generously supported by Alliance Musical Insurance, the UK's number one musical instrument insurer, serving the music community since 1960. If these difficult times have shown us anything, it's that life can be unpredictable. Alliance offer cover for all types of instruments and musical equipment, protecting you against accidental damage, loss, theft and more. Plus, every Alliance music policy now includes free legal assistance and support, so you can protect yourself both as a musician and in your personal life. Now, if the worst happens, you won't be left out of pocket and you can get back to doing what you do best. To find out more about this and about Alliance's special online offer of two months free cover, go to alliancemusic.co.uk. Alliance, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. And now let's go over to the Music Works studio where Anil Sebastian and Ella Taylor of Trans Voices are waiting to speak to us. Hello and welcome, Anil and Ella. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. <laughs> You're so welcome. Um, so here with us today is Anil Sebastian, the co-founder and director, one of the directors of um, Trans Voices, and Ella Taylor, who is a singer and founding member. Um, and so, yes, we're here today to talk about um, both of you and your careers and indeed um, Trans Voices as well. Um, so... Who would like to go first? Um, Anil, would you like to kick us off? Sure. Um, so I'm also the uh, co-founder and director of London Contemporary Voices Choir, which was set up over 10 years ago for a special concert at the Royal Albert Hall with Imogen Heap. And since then, that choir has been hugely successful and really done loads of amazing things and projects and collaborations with artists and the Harry Potter film sound tracks and proms and all sorts of things um and that whole journey has been really surprising um i'm also a independent artist myself um composer and a creative director of various projects um and trans voices was really born out of london contemporary voices and out of the need that i had for myself with my own uh transition and journey uh, but also after an experience that we had as a group at the uh, Union Chapel, where one of our collaborators, Reese Lyons, was um, uh, the victim of a um, transphobic 
abuse that happened in the interval and that was really eye-opening upsetting but also made me realize as I, I really needed to do something a lot more than um collaborations it needed to be something deeper for myself as well as for anyone else mm. and so trans voices um yeah. came from that that's um so what was the what was what did you need to do to set it up then do, and i'm wondering you know whether did you know a lot of trans singers already is it exclusively trans singers in the choir it, it, so it's exclusively uh trans singers in the in the group um mm. i didn't know any trans singers apart from uh coda who is the uh co-director of the group who also sang in london contemporary voices um mm. Um, actually, that's not true. I did know one more, uh, and that is Billy, and she is also uh, a member of the group. Um, uh, so I did, I did know two, but it, it's one of those things where we'd never worked together in this sort of capacity, um, and I certainly didn't know any others. And it was one of those things when we put the call out. I kind of had a an instinct and a feeling that there would be more of us. Yeah. <laughs> Shock uh lo and behold there's actually loads of us Fantastic. <laughs> you know and the more the more i the more i openly go about my life as i do and the more we do the project the more we meet more people um some of whom have been having to live a bit of a double life with their singing work and as i did for many years um and others who are much more in the way that ella is uh very openly in their um identity in their work as well did you find a challenge with um people who are having to live more double lives joining a a group called trans voices um no because i think i think everyone joining was of the same sort of not of the same mindset that makes it sound like we all have one brain but um of the in in at a point in life of of being really done with all of that if they had mm. been living any sort of uh double life at any point um i don't think that's a common experience for everyone in the group at all um maybe even just me i don't know <laughs> maybe it was just me i don't know but I, I i know of one other at least in the group who who had had that experience and i, I think it's fairly common at some point to have a a period of life where you are kind of figuring out your gender perhaps or in 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 some sort of um transition and needing to do that for professional reasons mm. so it can be it can be tricky absolutely absolutely and ella i'd love to come to you um so uh, i have so many questions but tell us a bit about yourself first sure thing uh yeah i'm ella Taylor, my pronouns are they, them. Uh, I'm a freelance classical soprano. There you go, that's the boring introduction out of the way. That's what mm -hmm. I always give. <laughs> I always yeah. like hey, these things. But yeah, um, yeah, so I work in uh, mostly opera and like classical music more broadly. Um, and I have been for not a super long time. Let's say. I don't know, when did I graduate from music college? Let's say since then, so like about four <laughs> years or something. Um, I don't know if I was living a double life because I actually 
came out professionally when I was at college um, because I was so I was just really sick of lying to my into myself I guess more than anything I kind of thought I could I could do this thing where I'd like go home and just be really content and trans and then like go to work and just be like <laughs> sort of fine doing that uh, but I was sort of finding that that wasn't really um the case and it just made me like miserable as is always the way so I just made a very conscious decision to just live my life very openly um and I think well I think it was definitely the right thing to do um and I'm a lot happier for it um but I I saw Annals call out, um, God, it was ages ago now, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> like maybe a year ago, could be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I was just like, yes, I absolutely need to do this um, because I've, I love my job um, and I love my colleagues, most of them uh, that, I, that I work with on a sort of daily basis. So that changes, uh, the colleagues change faces. Um, but I was like really lonely in my experience because I was always the only trans person working in the room. Um, and it's not, it's just about having that solidarity, that innate sense of you don't have to explain yourself to someone because they already are well they don't know everything about you but they're aware of they they know innately i think who you are because you have that shared experience and that's what i was really looking for with trans voices and spoiler alert yay i found it <laughs> yay <laughs> so great to hear so great to hear um so i'm interested in the uh, what you said about coming out professionally and thinking about um maybe for those of, you know, for listeners who are perhaps struggling with the, the you know, it's hard coming out at all is hard enough, you know, then having to differentiate between professionally, personally, are you able to share any, any sort of experiences or thoughts on, on that, on, on what, you know, were the two things very different for you? I don't know. Well, for me, I quickly realised that the two are just inextricably linked. You can't, you can't just like stop being yourself as soon as you get to work it just doesn't it just doesn't work like that um and it is oh it's always tough coming out but i mean i think you'd be more i would have been much more miserable i don't think i could have been a singer if i hadn't been true to myself that was very important your turn mm. anna <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think for me, uh, it was an incremental process in, in at both ends of it, because um, I had a lot of other, let's say, challenges, things that maybe masked um, my understanding of my gender, um, other traumatic things that happened to me in my early life, um, also a very religious upbringing. Um, and lots of other stuff that kind of made it made it not as apparent to me until a little bit later although i kind of knew it the whole time as well so i think it, within my own journey it's been a gradual thing um and then professionally as well it has it, i did a lot of the a lot of the singing i did in the way that i wanted to was quite private or was in my own solo work and the two were quite separate and i 
I also needed to survive financially. So I would be scared of losing work. So I, I kind of just, uh, for a long time, just, I loved singing. So it was kind of like, well, I love singing. I get to be in this space and sing. And I could kind of like withstand that. Um, there was a degree of resilience that allowed me to kind of do that. But at the same time, this damage was happening the whole time in the background. And after everything I did, there, there came a point once I'd kind of seen it in myself and once I'd lived more openly among my friends and family, it became harder and harder to do that professionally as well. And to be honest, it's still it's still a funny one. I, I still find myself sometimes having to treat certain situations as almost like an acting job and think, well, I'm acting the role of a, a male singer here, so I'll I'll do that mm. <laughs> and get paid and go home. And I can do that for a couple of days, but it's the it's the the, the counterweight to it. Um, it gets harder and harder and I actually feel feel it physically like the I, I, I don't sing as well. I'm not in my body as much and it just yeah. It's one of these things of like I get asked to do things and feel I really want to do them. And then there's a question of can I do them as me? Um and I'm being a lot bolder with that. Um and I am doing that now, and that's really satisfying. And actually realizing that the fear of it, I mean, I don't want to make sweeping statements, but the fear of it, the fear of it, I think, was larger than the reality. Um, and actually, the fear of what people would think if they found out while I was in those situations was way worse than actually just being open about it and having people be shit to me. I, it was kind of easier to deal with people being shit to me than it was to imagine how bad it could be if people found out sort of thing so mm. it's, a, it's a funny mixed bag it is, isn't it and I think um it feels to me relatable um to musicians and creatives in general um the idea that creativity is limited if we are limited yeah. um and the idea that um I've, I through the conversations that I have with people about their about their work and about you know how they feel about their professional lives the idea that they will somehow lose work for being who they are is actually the common theme unfortunately um yeah so you know I think there's a a lot that will a lot that will resonate with people here no it really is and I think I think because I've had that in so many other ways already, um, feeling like an outsider, I'm often, you know, especially if if if, if we do classical work, um, when we do classical work, I'm often the only person of colour on the stage or in the, maybe even in the entire room. Um, and so there's often this feeling of like, oh goodness me, am I supposed to be here? Am I am I in the right place? And there's there's often a feeling of that I have. That I impose upon myself a little bit, um, and it can be a very small thing—a change in the atmosphere. And I, you know, so, so with the transness becoming part of my life, I thought it's like kind of really another thing, <laughs> another thing I have to kind of come out with. As oh dear, absolutely. And so, 
let's talk about voices, shall we? Because I'm I'm curious about about how this is and that the idea of having a, a group um, of lots of trans singers together, this must be such a unique space for um, for being creative and feeling yourselves. Um, but, and as well as that, um, so I, I mentioned just before this episode that we've had a conversation on this podcast before about voices and had um, the trans tenor uh, Patricia Yates um, came and gave us some some really interesting insights into into what that was like. And I was just wanting to kind of start the conversation really about um, maybe, I don't know, busting some myths or giving people some information about about what it's like being a trans singer and all of the gendered language that comes with being a singer in general. Golly. I, love I know. Just a small <laughs> question. To... <laughs> Just simply a small topic that will only take five minutes to cover. I am almost... Uh... Yeah, we'll just get over that one. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, well, I mean, gosh, I don't know. I I feel like as with all cis voices, all trans voices will be different in their own ways and what they feel comfortable with will also be different. So like some people find soprano, alto, tenor bass really gendered and unpleasant. For me, I actually view that as the gender neutral version of what I often come across in my day to day work, you know, like, you know, it's always like, ladies, we're going to go from bar 14. Well, sopranos and altos is fine by me sopranos and mezzos um but it does vary for everyone so certainly in my mind um making language as gender neutral as possible around singing it doesn't just benefit trans people it often benefits everybody else everybody in the room and like i mean that's great if something can just be an e help be an equalizer because so often everything you know is so hierarchical and it can feel quite overwhelming and it's just a small way i think it can help mm. yeah absolutely yeah. yeah i mean i i would echo what Alice said there that i think there are as many ways to be a trans person as there are trans people uh and equally i think there are as many ways to be a singer as there are people who sing um and with that comes a whole host of different experiences that depend on your physical body or social situation that can connect with your experience of gender so within our group some people some trans people experience dysphoria around their voice um some people's voices change if they have hormone transitions uh, some people's don't some people don't have hormone transitions um, some people want their voices to change other people want to preserve their voice because that's as much a part of their identity as anything else um, and with that comes a whole host of different experiences and feelings which is why it was important to set this group up um, because even though in within the group we all have completely different experiences of our voices and our feelings about our voices and and our feelings about our gender and how they in, in interact with each other um there's there's as ella said before like a, a kind of understanding and a connection between us that understands conflicts 
confusion, but also the joy that comes with being in a space where those things aren't present. And, and actually, most of that conflict, dis, despite what people think, actually comes from being in an environment that makes you feel uncomfortable rather than be, being like, I'm in the wrong body kind of thing. You know, it's not, it's, it's often much more to do with how we feel around other other people and situations rather than within ourselves i think but um again as i say everyone's different in their experience of things it kind of yeah. reminds me of um i don't know it's like the um sort of social model of disability versus like the sort of medical model so it's society disables you from being able to do something rather than you are the problem that like presents itself if that makes sense um mm. and that's so I, I think that really rings true at least for me Anil like mm. if I'm in a room where I feel totally safe which it's not <laughs> doesn't often happen but sometimes it does um yeah. then you know any feeling sort of negativity I might have about well, not to be fair for me not particularly my voice but like my body or my presentation go away because I've it's not the onus is not on me to conform myself to anybody else yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly uh, and and definitely what that reminds me of I think it's often the associations that other people have already made which to be fair, are, are so ingrained in our society and in our system and in how we learn music in the first place and how we're taught to sing. It's not really a surprise that people would associate gender with voice parts, for example, um, and to, to kind of understand that, 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 that you can have your gender identity and your voice Part, as it were, you can be a soprano and not be a woman. You can be a tenor and not be a, a man. Um, you could be neither of those things, you know. Uh, and you know that the, the where you're singing in your range does not have any relation to your gender. For some people, it does, and for some people, it doesn't. Mm. Um, the thing I find really, really curious about that is that we have um, examples of it in so many genres of music, classical music included, um, where there is a little bit of movement in that. You know, you have countertenors, but you also have singers like Prince or or like Moses Sumney or like so many singers that sing in a very, or very um, different place in their range to where they should, according to you know, the traditional model of how gender maps on to, to pitch, basically. Mm. Um, but there's also some really curious things there that happen a lot, like um, it's often the voices that sort of stand out are often the ones that are most celebrated. Um, and they're often the ones that maybe don't conform in some way. Um, so I always find it really curious that we kind of get driven down a certain path sometimes when actually if your voice is naturally wanting to or you as a person is naturally wanting to go a slightly different way 
in how you sing or how you present why don't we just step into that a bit more it feels it feels like that's something to celebrate yeah Rather that's that's interesting so do you feel like that's at odds then with um the there's a sense when as a classical musician isn't there there's a lot a lot of conformity involved in that industry there are dress codes there are like spoken and unspoken um you know there are as you say there's all of this heavily gendered language that um that is just kind of historically there and isn't well thought through or considerate um you know that it's it's sort of steeped in tradition um how and yet the people that we know the most about do tend to be the people that break the mold in some way yeah exactly yeah. i mean the, the dress codes the dress codes. <laughs> yeah. i wonder i mean some of them are hilarious. I just, yeah they are. i just wonder whether that really just says it all i mean like <laughs> you know i i i watch classical music every so often you know as is my want um and like you know if half the audience is over the age of 60 and you're sort of having these unspoken rules or spoken rules about how to behave or how to be well then no one's going to turn up younger than 60 and so it's it's up to you really isn't it you know it's up to them if you really want to sort of invigorate then maybe just start allowing space for these things that include yeah include presentation include um gender include all these ways of living that allow people to be freer and therefore kinder and therefore probably better at what they're there to be doing because they're safer absolutely so what changes could the music industry make, do you think, that would shift these spaces to being genuinely welcoming and safe? Oh, I ask both of you. <laughs> well, I suppose there's not, well, I suppose there's definitely not a, um, you know, like a clear cut answer. There's not going to be like a how to guide or anything. I think the first step that people can really take is actually try and include the people who you claim to want to support in your conversations but yes but also like in your programming because if once somebody younger sees that you know so if you put a trans person on stage that doesn't solve everything but it can really help because suddenly there's somebody there who has either never been there before or been there in such a kind of small way that you might have barely barely noticed them um I, I really liked what you're saying Ella about um including us as a community in the conversation right from the start because I think sometimes people come out with all sorts of things that are based on it's, I, I, in my experience it happens as well with race people kind of or racialized spaces which is everywhere basically people come out with all sorts of things that they've decided that 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 people might need when actually that's not what we're asking for and so although there are certain things that are really important to the trans community and i, I say this in the full like knowledge that i am not representative of all trans people I do understand that yeah. <laughs> 
but that we, you know, um, it goes beyond just um, pronouns are important, uh, names are important, um, bathrooms are important, but there's so much more to it than that. And sometimes people sort of do those things or try to or say that they will or, or put, you know, do a few sort of things that sort of show what they're doing. And as, as Ella also said, maybe they'll engage a trans artist. Um, but if nothing else changes, then nothing else changes. And uh, it, there, there, there are, there's more to it than that. So it's, it's to do with language, but it's also to do with, um, I guess, the difference between um, visibility, seeing trans people on our stages, and influence, real influence of being able to actually help influence the programming of a concert rather than be brought in as a kind of like, you know, um, come in and be trans for us in this concert. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the all, think, all responsibility and no power. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think that's yeah. probably that's probably exactly where I wanted to go. You know, I was yeah. just thinking, I'm working with a disabled-led theatre company at the moment called Grey Eye. Uh, it's great. I'm having a, re like, a really wonderful time. I've never worked in a space quite like it, um, and it's very respectful and safe. But it's also like that kind of thing of nothing. I think I think this is a, a disabled phrase, but I'm not sure. Um, nothing about us without us. Um, right. And like mm. I just think that's uh, like forever present in any kind of any kind of minority or um, protected uh, class, you know, unless you're actually having people in the room when you're thinking about the ways in which you can be more diverse, equitable and inclusive in your practices, then, you know, you're never going to be doing <laughs> like the best work that you can be doing and you're never going to be doing the most honest work that you can be doing because that sort of work is never ending mm. it's difficult and that's why most people don't actually want to do it properly mm. um you know it, it, like Anil says I mean obviously I have no experience of racism but it happens with race all the time it happens with disability all the time and mm. it and it happens with gender all the time too um yeah yeah and I, I notice it one thing it reminds me of is um shortly after Black Lives Matter I noticed lots and lots of big organizations in music started making announcements about um, even those extremist changes the name of their organization or um, making statements about how they were going to be more inclusive and they were going to, you know, orchestras making it, uh, one in particular that I can think of um, that made an announcement saying that they were going to have 50-50 their members, people of color and uh, non-people of color, however, they described that um, by a certain date, which is now, I think. <laughs> I think it was like the end of 2022 or something like that. So rapidly getting close. And I noticed that a lot of these big statements were, were made, but without much thought into how or, or what the underlying issues are that, that prevent people from being in those spaces. And, I, and that's really reflected, that was really reflected in the comments. And I did that terrible thing of reading the comments, which I really should never do. And there was a co several comments that were like, well, the, the thing is, people of colour don't like classical music. They don't really want to be in classical music spaces. That, you know, like, 
comments like that, and I've had the had those sorts of comments in places I've worked for, in before. You know, well, why do you, you know? Oh, well, a lot of assumptions get made. Well, women can't produce music. That's one that comes up a lot. You don't have female composers. That comes up a lot. Um, in all of this, anyone who's non-binary or bisexual or trans-masculine doesn't seem to exist at all in any of the conversations. Um, and it's sort of really curious. And, and, and then a lot of people make assumptions about trans people and music, not specifically music, but more it, what, my area of music, vocal music, which is um, the bizarre assumption that trans people won't continue singing because their voice will change and then that's they, they can't sing anymore and that's that and that kind of myth and that mythology is something that frightens people away from singing or away from transitioning it, it there's nothing good that comes from that and it's really not grounded in anything um beyond what happens to some people or for some people as part of their transition that can then be recovered from in some in some respect depending on but so little is known about that and so little is understood and there is so little there for singing teachers to know to, to know how to support people who are yeah. trans that the whole system kind of falls down and and, and fails people and what's yeah. left the assumption it's, that yeah well it's um it's definitely a thing that's just picking up on your point about like singing teachers and stuff i mean there's lots of research there out there now about how to deal with like young boys and their voices breaking there's been a lot of research into that to try to try and guide them through what is a very traumatic time in their lives which is fair enough especially with the term breaking being the one that's used i mean a horrible yeah. phrase to describe that to describe that sort of voice but and yet there's not much research done into supporting trans voices particularly those who are hormonally transitioning and what that might that might entail um you know i get asked quite quite a lot oh i've got this people who is you know is hormonally transitioning and they'd like some singing lessons to guide them through that and i'm like well i don't have a clue because <laughs> because nobody, like a i i don't take hormones so why would i know but also like i wouldn't know because it's not just like out there. There's not loads and loads of research. Mm. research. I know there is some, um, and I'm very grateful to those people who do the work. But quite a lot of it is US based, and that makes it hard to um, harder to access. It's really just it, all of these things. It's like any problem that you have in classical music. You know, you think about even class in classical music, and it all mm. starts from how you learn about things in childhood and that is then obviously also affected by things like government policy if you don't fund music lessons for disadvantaged children they won't learn a musical instrument because they can't afford one well if you don't teach trans young trans people that they can sing and they can sing in whatever voice they want to then they won't they just won't come up i mean i i know a few young ones but like only because they found me. I don't know where they are. <laughs> they just come out of the woodwork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the power of the, of um, organisations like Trans Voices, isn't it? Is that it does, it's like you said, I was really struck by what you said, Ella, about when you 
saw the call out and you were like, right, well, this, this has to happen, you know. It's incredibly powerful to have that and a huge loss for people that don't. Yeah. I was struck by um, something you said reminded me of something that I heard said about autism once um, that I'm going to misquote this, but the, the gist of it was that everything that people, almost everything that people know about um, autism is based on unhappy autistic people and their experiences because they're so because yeah because they're so badly supported in general I mean certainly historically and um and misunderstood and I think there's something in this to do with um it's always so amazing talking to creative people who've had to deal with really difficult things because it becomes a total part of everything and I as I get older, I become less and less able to understand how people could have ever been creative without being able to um, embody themselves how they wanted to. Mm. Mm. I think I think what you said there, um, there's something about the medicalization and the diagnostic approach um, to well, uh, um, any kind of neurodiversity, disability, um, and unfortunately transness as well <laughs> and mm. people to access the medical care they need there is this very arduous painful process that can go on for years to get really very straightforward treatment actually in terms of what it medically does to your body and the risks involved um, and that kind of approach focuses very much on agony and discomfort and well dysphoria you have to have a diagnosis of gender dysphoria in in, in most cases and <clears throat> actually why why is it not a possibility in people's minds that someone could want to or or or, or transition um without dysphoria you know that, yeah. I, that <clears throat> the experience of of that discomfort and the way that we are kind of forced through the hoops of having to talk about it in that way and focus on that as the identifier of who we are, you know, you you have this uncomfortable feeling, therefore you are able, I can give you a diagnosis mm. of gender dysphoria, therefore you are trans and therefore you can access the medical care that you need. Um, yeah, I, to, to relate that back to music and to me um, <laughs> um just to bring it all back to me for just one second um uh, <laughs> um but um so, you know so i get so often people ask me and it comes from a good place i will i will give them <laughs> give them that credit but um it does it does always sort of make well, um and it, the question i get asked quite a lot is but could you play a woman on stage are you and i'm like hun i'm an opera singer like if i didn't want to play a woman on stage this would not be the career that i would be in like i have made my choices and i am quite content and not miserable doing that and it's mm. just sort of that mental disconnect of like how how can your gender identity be separate from and you know anything that you do on stage and like it's not I'm always going to be bringing every single part of myself into a role in opera yeah but they that that character just happens to be a woman I mean 
cool. Yeah, yeah. but, she, but she, it's, it's the importance that people place. Yeah, it's the importance of gender to audiences, isn't it? Because they just see it's just it's it feels like to some people it's everything and it's it embodies the character so much. And this is a point that um, that Patricia made when I spoke to her. She said like less more so for singers less so for tv actors and things like that you are no you're more questioned about whether your actual personality or your actual self relates to the character whereas i think more likely in in film and tv perhaps certainly that's what her opinion was you it doesn't matter like people don't care you're, you're an actor you're there to portray a role um and that is always personal to the person portraying it obviously and it brings different things but it's it's not like you have to go and portray yourself on the stage mm. well and actually i think you know with with acting that's the whole um uh, i hope it's okay to swear crock of shit in itself because, <laughs> because it's you like do. you know i think you either have uh, we're still at this point where we're starting to we're starting to see trans people playing roles that are not specifically about being trans which is you know yeah. heaven forbid that that should ever happen but you've, you've either had cis people playing the role of trans people because the trans people don't look or sound trans enough and they you know whatever um or you have trans people playing trans people which is great um but we're still at that point where we it's almost like if you're if you're a trans actor it's like why the hell would mm. why the hell shouldn't you be able to play any role why you know why can't yeah. you you know it's interesting isn't it As i watched <laughs> i watched something on on netflix recently that had um a trans actor playing a, a non-trans role and it was just, as, as you started talking about it I was kind of going oh yeah it's like that thing I watched and then I was like that in itself shows how unusual it is the how fact that I can pick out the one occasion um or the well not the one but certainly the yeah the only one very recently. few very few mm. but and I know it's happening a little bit more uh in theatre and I don't know about opera, Ali, you could probably <laughs> say more about that, probably hardly ever. But, um, um, you know, I think in, in, in film and TV, it's definitely very limited, but it's starting to change. And like you say, there was this moment that you saw on Netflix. Um, hopefully there'll be more like that. Um, hope so. And the irony is that the only reason that I know that this actor is trans is because I've seen them previously playing a role that was a trans role. Yeah. So like that. <laughs> we must all start there. As trans, yeah. We must all start either in full stealth or in uh, <laughs> Sorry. Or with a massive sign saying, you know. <laughs> those, the two, those are the two options, full yeah. stealth or full um, visibility. I don't know. I don't know. People mm. always want to cast me as men. So <laughs> say what you will about that. <laughs> and I'm like. No, I'm not one of them either. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, that's a whole other. Yeah. Um, yeah, 
I feel like we could carry on talking about this all day. Um, this has been really, really great. We haven't actually talked that much specifically about trans voices or the, the work either <laughs> you do individually. Would you like to, can I give you each like, you know, a minute or two to do some plugging? Why don't we start with Ella? Sure. I said that I was working with the disabled led theatre company, Grey Eye, and we have the world premiere of a new opera by Erilyn Wallin on the 13th of April at the Queen Elizabeth Hall at the Southbank Centre. Um, I'm playing a maid, which is um, a new venture for me. I'm very excited about it. Um, <laughs> no, it'll be great. Um, I'm really proud of the work we've created. Um, and I think it will be an amazing show. And hopefully we'll also get some other, some people in opera to turn, turn up and pay attention to mm. the fact that the disabled people, surprise, surprise, who knew, can also make incredibly awesome art and they should therefore be in the rooms where art is happening. Um, I think that's where I'll leave it for me. Phenomenal. Thank you. That sounds amazing. Anil. <laughs> well, so uh, Trans Voices has launched. We're out in the world, finally. And our documentary came out on The Guardian. Um, what a way to start so that's been super exciting and surprising and beautiful and scary all at once um and our journey from that documentary is going to be we're going to be releasing music from the documentary as well that's going to be next very exciting but but also there are lots of things in the pipeline that i can't talk about yet because they're not they're, they're still super secret things but let's just say there are collaborations um we've had some amazing support it's been the the, the growth has been of, of from starting from from dots uh, a brand new project it's been amazing to see how much support it's had um and i must admit that when we first put the documentary out i i almost went into a bunker thinking oh my god absolutely terrified that i was going to be uh, um sniffed out by turfs and <laughs> attacks but um there hasn't been as much of that as I as I, I feared and actually the reception has been really really great and yeah I don't know about you but I've had more than more than one person come up get slide into my dms and say can I write you a piece and I've been like yeah I don't know it's not my yeah. choir but yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly it's wonderful we've already done a collaboration with Anna Phoebe who's an amazing composer and and she leapt straight onto it and was like i love that sound i absolutely love that sound and it's often the sound that i find that when i'm doing choir sessions and vocal sessions people love it and they, they they're reaching for that unusual texture which is which comes from freedom it comes from people expressing themselves freely in a space where they can be any voice they want to be um so yeah, yeah. It's we're, crazy. Um, I've I've never I've never sung like that in my life, and I don't until I'm with you guys. So isn't that nice? Oh, that is wonderful. That's there we so go. great. I I'm just gonna try and stop myself from just like gushing about how amazing that <laughs> Um It's been a real real pleasure to talk to you both about this, and um, congratulations. It's a, it's a, the Guardian piece and the documentary is absolutely fantastic, and that's that's what. Uh, caused me to get in touch with you and, and ask you to come on here. So I'm really glad that we were able to set that up and looking forward to hearing more about um, all of the exciting secret projects when, they, uh, when they're allowed to be talked about. 
Ooh. Me too. No, really <laughs> yeah. You. Yeah. Um, I wonder if we could just round off um, if you've got any words of um, advice or wisdom or um, anything you want people to hear who are listening to this who might be struggling with transitioning or finding their place in the industry in one way or another. Wow. Um, oh, God. It's <laughs> a big question. Oh, it's such a responsibility. Um, <laughs> I know, we're, we're trans elders now you just have to I know really. <laughs> oh. um, I'm not even 30 and I'm a fucking bloody elder <laughs> yeah I feel like elder. you need to put that on your LinkedIn bio <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> hashtag trans elder sorry and I know in asking that like you've mentioned so many times in this interview that you don't speak for a whole community or anything like no, that and no, I completely no. respect that um that that whole that for me one of the themes of this interview really has been that really nuanced balance between um being visible and being seen and heard and then also then adopting a position of responsibility for like a sort of whole community that yeah. is actually that you know that is an awful lot to um, put on yeah. anybody I think I think I've formed it a little bit in my mind now. Um, I would say find your find your people. Um, we are there. We're here. And come and find other people uh, you identify with and reach out to them. Try to focus more on that reaching out than battling with the negativity that you might be receiving from other places that's often a common thing when we, we feel being attacked by somebody to focus on the person attacking us rather than the community that is out there um, and especially if you're in the UK if you, I, I, I can't speak for the whole world <laughs> I don't know um, but in the UK certainly there are groups um, there are online communities online is a great way place to start um, start talking to people um and be bold about that rather than the other stuff that maybe people think they need to be bolder about i'd say and then you have the support and you, you have a bit more of a connection and things are generally easier when you find other people who go god yeah i know it's <laughs> <laughs> um, just a sort of innate understanding isn't there and like you said it's not that you necessarily understand the whole everything about everyone no. but there is just a sort of a sigh of relief on being with like sort of like-minded yeah. people yeah and sometimes mm. sometimes i think especially with gender stuff you can feel like you're going crazy because the world doesn't seem to accommodate very much for for it so you know it can feel like it's all you um, rather than anything that needs to change in the world. Um, and yeah, if you find other people who are having that experience, it helps a lot. And there are more and more groups popping up. And I think professionally, um, again, there's not loads, but there are more groups. And if, if whether if you're not a if you if you're a professional singer, come and get in touch with us. And if if not, then there's also the London Trans Choir. Um, and that's run by somebody called Stephen Davidson, who's also a fantastic vocal coach. So for anyone out there who's, you know, um, worried about transition and voice and things like that, there are people um, out there um, more and more. And there's also a new thing called the Trans Creative Collective in London as well. So that's also a great place to meet other creative people um, in, in London, certainly.
And we got contacted by, oh, I think it's York has a trans choir that got in touch as well. So there are there are lots of them all That's over the, popping mm. up. Yeah. And people have got in, in contact saying, we'd like cool. to start something. Can you can you help us, um, you know, with that? So that's brilliant. I think my friend has just um, started running a it's not a trans choir specifically, but it is an LGBT mm. trans inclusive choir in um, in Surrey near Guildford. Oh, so great. That's also a there thing. You go. So there you maybe, go. Yeah, I think I would totally echo what Anil says. Um, it definitely is about just finding those people because, yeah, sometimes you can just feel so alone and that can be really overwhelming, particularly at the moment because every day <laughs> people just seem to be wanting to attack us. But it's about when you have those people, you know, you spend less time sort of lying in your bed and crying and more times just going, oh, well, I guess they're just at it again. You can try and find some relief in that. Um, but also, I don't know, for me, it took me a long time to have any semblance of self-confidence to mm. do this, you know, to be to mm. be yourself courageously takes a hell of a lot of bravery and time. Um, and just don't be afraid to take it and mm. know that, you know, at the end of your journey, you will be the most radiant, beautiful trans person ever. And we will all be here, ready to welcome you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this has been such an important conversation. Thank you so much. Um, it's really highlighted how the practice of music is positioned within authenticity and that the experience of being trans should be allowed to reflect that authenticity within the performer's own experience. Um, as we've heard before, the world of vocal music is traditionally deeply gendered, both in terms of voices and the roles that are available. So it's been encouraging to hear how having trans voices in the room can bring so much to everyone, whether they're trans or not. Anil's single, Carmen 703 Hertz and its NFTs were released at the start of this month. The piece was created in response to an almost 2,000-year-old mysterious household god figurine held in collections at the Guildhall Museum. Ella will be appearing in This Classical Life live at Ali Pali on the 21st of June with Jess Gillam and the BBC Concert Orchestra. In Goretzky's Symphony of Sorrowful Songs with the Philharmonia Orchestra at the Bold Tendencies 2022 Festival, and they'll be singing the role of Fior de Ligi in Cosi Fantuti over the summer with Wild Arts Opera. You can find out more about Trans Voices on their website at transvoices.co.uk. And we'll also be posting a link in the show notes to The Guardian's short documentary, Reclaim, which captures the first gatherings of Trans Voices and culminates in a film performance at Union Chapel, London. It's a moving and joyful insight into the experiences and needs that brought this hugely important choir into being. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me in celebrating Anil and Ella and everything they've brought to the conversations we're having about these vital issues in the world of classical music. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Music Works podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe, check out our other great episodes, and even better, leave us a review. You can also sign up to our mailing list at www.polyphonyarts.com forward slash mailing dash list for updates and news about what Polyphony Arts is up to for all you classical music folk out there. You can find more information in the show notes as well.
Meanwhile, I'm Katie Beardsworth and I look forward to sharing with you the next great episode of Music Works. Music Works is generously supported by Alliance Musical Insurance, the UK's number one musical instrument insurer. Alliance Music Insurance, serving the music community since 1960, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. Music Works is a Polyphony Arts production. Thank you for listening.